when I sit by the side of the blazing fire on a cold December night and gaze at the leaping and rollicking flames as they cast their flickering light. I see what I would be in future years if my wishes and hopes came true and the flames form pictures of things that I dream of the deeds that I hope to do. One tall yellow flame darts above all the rest and I see myself famed and renowned. A poetess I and a novelist too who is honored the whole world around. That flame then grows dim, which to me seems to say that my first hope must soon I see myself singing 
to children, my own, on the porch of a small bungalow. the last tiny spark has completely gone out. And my dreams are wrapped up Hello and welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm your host, Austin Williams. You just heard the piece Fireside by Eve Bagorian. This piece was performed by Sarah Cahill and is part of her new project series called The Future is Female. This series is featuring pieces by female composers ranging all the way back from the 17th century to contemporary times with living composers. I had the pleasure of meeting Sarah Cahill a few years back in my undergrad when she was on tour featuring works of Terry Riley in honor of his birthday. And since then, and before that, she's been just absolutely championing new works and focusing now on works of female composers. Here's a quick interview I conducted with her where she talks about the project and the works themselves. Would you care to talk about what prompted the project, um, maybe the the name of it and like how it all has kind of come together? Yeah. I've been doing this project for a couple of years called The Future is Female, and it's a collection of about 70 works by women composers, which keeps expanding, and they are from all over the world, starting from 1687 in the Baroque era with Elizabeth Jacquet de la Guerre mm-hmm. and pretty much every continent uh, up to the present day. So I've been commissioning new work for this project. Mm-hmm. And so far, composers like Teresa Wong, Mary Watkins, Regina harris Baaki, and others have written for this project. So I keep collecting new works, and I'm interested in younger composers, um, you know, working with teenage composers, up to our elders, and I've worked with a number of composers like Pauline Oliveras and mm-hmm. Mia Lockwood, Julia Wolf, and I've commissioned work from them over the years. So 
um, I'm, I'm just adding to this body of music and um, this just really interests me right now is sort of highlighting works by women. So I, yeah. I do this in concerts, both, um, you know, concert lengths, mm-hmm. length uh, programs and also marathons. So I'm about to go to the Barbican in London and um, do an eight hour concert there. Oh, my and- gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, that is a marathon. Um, the time span or the, the range, um, which the composers are on these, on this project is it's impressive. I, I really think that's super important or unique to see that you are spanning such a large, um, period of time because you see so many projects now that are, um, you know, it's, it's this type of composer from this, you know, date and time or, you know, this type of composer from this date and time. So to really expand that scope is um, equally ambitious and also, I think, really uh, um, quite something um, special. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And also I get I have friends say, you know, does gender have a particular sound? Oh. And of <laughs> course, no. And I think it's so I I mean, stylistic variety means a lot to me so it's important to include minimalism and you know these amazing piano works by uh ethiopian nun in her 90s emma mariam gebru and wow. just all kinds of um all kinds of different compositions yeah truly that is like all over the place yeah yeah so the first piece that i would love for you to just maybe give some notes on for the listener is the uh Beglarian. And feel free to just talk about any, you know, um, anything you want the listener, anything special for them to, to hear in it. Yes. Yeah, so this piece by Eve Beglarian includes speaking. I'm, I'm speaking a text by the young Ruth Crawford. She was 13 years old when she wrote this poem called Fireside Fancies, and it's about looking into the future, you know, looking into the flames of the fire and seeing into the future and what she will become when she gets older. Mm -hmm. And this piece was composed by Eve for a project I was doing honoring Ruth Crawford's 100th anniversary. This was 2001. Mm. So Eve ended up writing this piece right after... September 11th, 2001, when the entire world changed, Mm -hmm. she was living in downtown New York, just blocks away from the World Trade Center. And it was a really devastating time. And we talked about this piece and, you know, it was very difficult for her to think of composing a new work when, you know, that this, this, uh, Incredible tragedy. I mean, it was just yeah. that this tragedy was just all consuming to, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. including Eve. So we talked about it, and she had been very struck by this poem, Fireside Fancies. Uh, and in it, Ruth Crawford looks into the future and sees herself. She says, you know, I see myself on the great opera stage. I see myself writing poetry and Mm -hmm. novels. And then she says, I see myself sitting on the porch of a bungalow singing to my children. Mm -hmm. 
And that is really incredible because, of course, Ruth Crawford Seeger married Charles Seeger, uh, became Ruth Crawford Seeger, and gave up her work as a composer, really, to collect folk songs and children's songs, and did exactly that. She had many children, no, several children, including um, you know Peggy Seeger, Mike Seeger. Mm-hmm. Seeger was her stepson, and she sang with them. And that's what yeah. the that's what the family did. They got together and they sang folk songs together, and so the idea of the 13-year-old Ruth Crawford seeing that in her future is really incredible. So Eve was struck by that. And we also talked about how Ruth Crawford and her husband, Charles Seeger, went through this period in the Depression Mm. in the 1930s when they said, what does it mean to compose concert music in this time of a national crisis? You know, we can't just keep writing music for this small group of people to listen to. We have to do something else with their lives. And I think Eve was feeling very much that after, mm-hmm. in those days, right after September 11th, 2001, what does it mean to write this piece for the concert hall? Right. You know, what What can, I mean, everything was so called into question. So uh, then she was also struck by this early prelude that Ruth Crawford wrote when she was in her early 20s, uh, prelude number five, and so she uses the harmonies, the harmonic sequence from prelude number five, combines it with this poem mm-hmm. Ruth Crawford wrote at the age of thirteen. So that's what I'm speaking during this during this work. By, yeah, uh, I, the the um, music uh, just builds and reflects um, the the text so so wonderfully as you're listening yeah. to it, um, and it just and it fades away you know, very much kind of like a firewood. Um, and I, as a, as a listener, that was, uh, um, really powerful and like very like kind of obvious, but also like, like inevitable, um, kind of feeling when I was listening to it. So. Yeah, that's great. She says at the end, the flames die out with the night. Right. Right.
your work with the Gribbon is uh, wonderful. Um, and I mean, all your work on this album is is, is wonderful reflections and uh, interpretations of these of this music. Um, but I'm curious what imagery you might have had um, while working on this piece um, on like a larger scale or even a smaller scale, because I, I I think that that's a for me, that was something that came up um, when I was listening to it. Mm. Yeah. Diedrich Rubin is a composer from Northern Ireland who lives in London. And she wrote this piece, Unseen, about the about homeless people in London and how they're sort of invisible or out of sight and not considered real citizens of London. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just like homeless people here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And also it was about the tragedy of Grenfell Tower that was, so that she wrote this piece in 2018 and Grenfell Tower was, Right before that, when it was uh, uh, a large uh, high rise with people, mainly low income people, mm-hmm. and they were told at the time a fire broke out, and the people in the tower were told to stay where they were and not leave. And it was, uh, I mean, just many, many, many people were lost in that fire. And so mm-hmm. Deirdre Gribben sort of used that as her impetus to write this piece. And she says, um, she calls it a reality check on her life in the, in the city and sort of embracing an awareness more fully of her surroundings. She says in all their beauty and cruel pain, this was actually written in 2017. Mm. So it, it was, just about people who who are invisible to us yeah. on a daily basis, who we don't really look at and see, yeah. and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and you know, very much an issue here in the Bay Area where I live, mm-hmm. uh, and Deirdre Gribben in in London. So, and then I think the the ending, I see it as very much a sort of the evaporation or the the. Uh, uh, just sparks. I mean, that the, yeah. the souls of the people who are, who have been, um, who have been burned, yeah. who have been incinerated and that they're, they're rising at the end. And it's sort of, um, it's a very spiritual piece to me at the end. Yeah. I, I mean, the beginning is so clearly it's, it's angry. You know, I, I, I get that motion of of anger or discontent and then there's almost an amount of catharsis at the end of it but i i think there's an equal amount of ambiguity that like you said there's um what you know if there's these evaporation of these individuals then they you know they're they're probably not um maybe it's not completely at peace um so yeah really heavy peace um yeah Yeah, yeah.
So the um, last piece on the uh, album that comes up is the the Watkins, and I th it may have been mentioned earlier, but you know uh, the the name of this part of the project is In Nature, and I um, the titles of a lot of the works have to do with nature, and um, she does this lovely uh, paints this lovely picture of like summertime and. Um, for me, at least, and I was wondering if you could maybe talk about that um, more abstractly or what, what imagery you, you may have found with that. Yeah, so Mary D. Watkins is a composer that I first worked with in 1997. She wrote this really amazing piece called Raging Rapids, mm -hmm. and I love that piece as well. She's a fantastic pianist, and I encourage everyone to go online and watch her performances. Mm -hmm. She's just really, really extraordinary, and she is now in her 80s. She has written a number of operas. She's premiering an opera about Emmett Till, mm. uh, which will be, I think, premiered in New York this spring with Tanya Leon conducting. And she's just, 
she's just really amazing. And um, I have so much admiration for her. So last year, wait, this is 2022 already. So it might have <laughs> been 2020. I, it's just impossible to keep track of what year, what month it is. But um, yeah. she, I, I reached out to her and I said, do you have any other pieces for piano that I could play or can I commission you to write a new work or do you have anything that she, she said, well, I have several pieces that I started, but haven't finished. Mm. I said, could I commission you to finish a piece? And so this is the one she finished and sent to me. It's called summer days. And it's about a time when kids could have maybe more freedom than they do now with us. I mean, as a helicopter is it called helicopter parenting? Anyway, as, yeah, yeah. As, as a sort of nervous parent myself, I can totally, I, 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 I know that those, I know that parents are too controlling now, but, um, uh, the days when you could just, you know, kids could just go out all day long and, mm-hmm. uh, go out and have fun and play in the sprinklers and run around with other kids and, you know, have just the freedom of doing what they wanted during the day. And that's sort of what this piece is about. And um, I think I get yeah, that a lot um, with the the there's like contrasting uh, counterpoint um, versus mm-hmm. like chordal planning. And the mm-hmm. the counterpoint to me seems like it, it's very busy. Like you know, people are like ac- like doing activities together, and then the chordal planning could be like this. You know, um, it's the end of the day, and you know we we have to go home now. <laughs> kind yeah, of kind of exactly. imagery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And the the sort of various melodic lines chasing each other. And uh, yeah, and um, it's just it's a it's a wonderful piece for piano. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since she's a pianist herself. You know, it's as I said previously, it's it's always great when individuals can can write uh, (laughs) well for an instrument. Um, And that's so true. Yeah, absolutely.
so the last work I would love to chat about is the Yambor, um, and specifically the second movement of the Sonata. There's this lovely, like, haunting ostinato going on with it, um, and it obviously has a very, like, uh, heavy topic uh, that goes along with it, too, as it's dedicated to the victims of the Holocaust. What was that like, working with that, um, or even um discovering this composer too yeah so Aki Yambor I ordered this score just out of curiosity from Hildegard Publishing which specializes in music by women mm-hmm. and that's what they do Hildegard Publishing all all these you know great scores by women and I ordered it out of curiosity and started working on it and then saw that it was dedicated to John DeMarteau, M.D. It had this name, John mm-hmm. DeMarteau, M.D., who also edited the sonata. And since Agi Yambur died, has is no longer living, I reached out, you know, I, I tried various ways to contact John DeMarteau, M.D., mm-hmm. finally found him on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and got in touch with him. And he, we worked together over Zoom, and he told me, about this piece and how you know certain passages reflected tanks rolling into Budapest and people fleeing and certain um, certain things, kind of programmatic elements in this yeah. sonata, yeah. which Agi Yambur was again a you know tremendous pianist, child child prodigy. Yeah. And grew up in Hungary and as a young, I think as a, you know, very young person, she played uh, Mozart sonatas with Albert Einstein and she was playing concertos at a young age. Mm -hmm. And then when the war broke out and she was with a Jewish husband and they hid out. Uh, and it's a harrowing story, yeah. which is her memoirs were recently published by her grandniece, Frances Pinter. Mm. And it's just this, you know, this really nightmarish story about hiding and moving from place to place and worrying about being betrayed and finally escaping to the United States with just basically, you know, her husband had a doctor bag and that was their their only. I mean, they, it had to carry all their belongings, whatever yeah. they could take. Um, eventually, coming to the United States, where he died in 1949. After all of that, um, those incredible trials and difficulties, yeah. and that was the year she wrote this sonata. And she later, you know, taught at Bryn Mawr College, became active in the anti-Vietnam War movement active in the feminist movement. She was active in the civil rights movement also. She was an amazing Mm -hmm. person and a real hero and an unsung hero. And she recorded a lot, I think for Columbia Records, she recorded uh, um, a lot of Bach. Mm -hmm. She made recordings of classical music. But this sonata is one of her works that is really unknown. And this is the first... I think it's the first time it's been played. She apparently played it herself at the Phillips Collection in Washington, D.C., and didn't say 
her name in the program, mm. but said, this is a sonata by prisoner number, you know, something, 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 as oh, if wow. it was from the tattoo on the prisoner's arm. Wow. Uh, and so, um, so it's just, it's really amazing to play this piece. And yes, yeah. the second movement is an epitaph to yeah. the victims of the Holocaust. Yeah. It has this, um, I don't want to say lovely, but it's just like I, I really enjoy the the dreamlike state of it and this it's almost lack of motion. But I think that's also very like indicative of like what it's about and like, um, you know, reflective. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. epitaph. Yeah. 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 Epitaph. Right. Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, this is all so wonderful. Um, thank you for taking the time to guide us through some of these, um, works. Um, I think it's, it's going to be, um, a lovely project. So the project's name is the future is female. And this is the first volume, um, titled in, yep. Uh, titled in nature. Um, can you tell us what's to come or is that on lock and key? (laughs) (laughs) Um, they're kind of loose themes, you know, I mean, not everything on this album is about nature, but it's kind of a loose theme and it's from, they're available at firsthand records in the UK, but they're distributed in the U S and the second, um, yeah, I mean, each album has classical works. So the next one has Elizabeth Jacquet de la Guerre and, um, Teresa Wong, again, a piece I commissioned from her mm-hmm. based on a Nina Simone song. And so each one sort of goes from the Baroque up to the present day mm-hmm. and has a whole range of music and some that might be familiar, but some that's brand new and a lot of 20th century and 21st century music. So, and it's, yeah. a, it's so great to be on relevant tones. I'm a great oh. fan of this show. Or so happy to have you. Um, really excited to see where the rest of this uh, project goes. Um, this album will be made available um, on March 4th, uh, 2022. So look out for that. Thank you.
You just heard the third movement from Augie Yambor's Piano Sonata, performed by Sarah Cahill. Be sure to check out her new project, The Future is Female, available on March 4th. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org.